Welcome to That's So Retrograde. Hi again. I'm Elizabeth Cott. Hi, Elizabeth. I'm Stephanie Simbari. So happy to be Sorry, here. Sorry, I'm Stephanie Falcon yeah. Simbari. I don't and know I'm what Elizabeth I'm doing here. Where <laughs> are we? Just throwing our numerology readings out the window all willy-nilly. I was actually thinking today that I haven't been referring to myself as Falcon that much, and I really feel like it's because um, it's just so integrated into my being that I don't need to just like throw it around at people. Whitney's looking at me in a certain way, and we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get there. Our guest today is eating, and we're letting that happen while yeah. we do the top of the show. Yeah. So, but feel free to interject at any times. Times? But not with the egg in your mouth, <laughs> for the love of God. <laughs> so we wanted to start off the show today by... Um, Addressing a few concerns that we've noticed in the Facebook group regarding the live show that we had on Tuesday. Right. And first of all, we're so fucking grateful and just blown away by the fact that you guys are even having these kinds of conversations. So first and foremost, thank you for being so open hearted and incredible. And I also want to say, you know, for those of you just tuning in, we had our live show at No Name uh, this past Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I feel like we're Oprah. Our friends from Kane Holler Open doing the theme song, which was next Get level. Okay, so, um, and it was a really special evening. It was really beautiful. Everyone that turned out. Um, Thank you, Kane Holler. Thanks, Thomas Dale. Thanks, Jackie Tone. Nobody knows who these people are. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Thank our you, mom. I hate our mom. She's the worst. <laughs> I'm, I'm the retrograde mom. Yeah. Mom, not right now, mom. Mom, mom I'm something. on the phone. Just let me hang out with my friends for a second. I feel like I'm like the stepmom. I'm not even your real mom. Like, We've actually never met you before. We're like, who's this fucking bitch? Awkward vacation. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Here's what happened. Here's what happened. We had Shaman Durek as a guest, and we engaged in a difficult conversation around uh, the rising feminine energy and victim consciousness. We've talked about him with before, and we brought up Me Too, and we brought up Time's Up, and some things transpired that created defensiveness and a little bit of terseness between him and a few of the women in the crowd. I wasn't going to get specific, but I feel like whatever. I'm cool. And here's the thing. I feel like he has a very important message and he maybe might have misstepped a little bit with the tone of his delivery. However, I don't think that it's our responsibility to police any content. I think that what we did was try to hold space for both sides of the conversation because this is an evolving conversation that we are just learning to have. Right. And our the whole point of this show, our mission statement is to hold space for information and conversation. And when we're having those important conversations, it's going to be clunky and it's going to possibly trigger stuff and make people think, and it's not always going to be graceful, and I'm okay with that. I mean, the only way to really grow is to feel the discomfort and lean into it and examine 
why it's making you so uncomfortable and then go further with the conversation. Something that I found that was sort of troubling to me was that some people were really upset and then they didn't want to talk to him after. And I'm like, if you're upset and you don't have the conversation with him, then you're fueling the thing that he's saying, which is that we aren't having the conversation. But what I will say is what I don't feel good about is that people may have felt unsafe in a space that we created to facilitate the conversation and just... For the record, that is not cool with either of us. Yeah. I think that there is a way to have the conversation and have a healthy conversation where people don't feel like they're being stepped on or interrupted. 100%. Can I, for the people that have no idea what you guys are talking about? They all know. What? Like, okay, everybody knows. Yeah. What was the thing that he said that pissed people off? Can I just ask? Yeah. Well, here's what happened is just that we were talking about... (sighs) I really don't want to go into this too deeply because I want to talk to you about other stuff. But basically... I was asking how we can still, how we can make space for women and men in this whole conversation, how like women can take responsibility for themselves and men can take responsibility for themselves and we can work together. And the conversation kind of then evolved into him. Unfortunately, and I don't think this is what he honestly meant, but it sounded like he was saying that if you are a victim of sexual assault, you brought that upon yourself. Through... A conscious, unconscious. Not being in your own power. Energy. Now, look, there's, I do see the parts of that conversation that is, are relevant. Certain, certain choices that we make that we might not understand. We're putting ourselves in dangerous situations. We can't be doing that anymore. Fine. But you can't say blanket statement. If you've been raped, don't feel like a victim. Feel like now I'm in my power. Like that's fucking insane to say. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think the people that heard him heard. And I didn't really hear that, but I understand why that was being heard. But I think that when you're, someone's then providing a counterpoint as to why that might be Then turn into a fucking town hall. And then you then step over that person as they're talking regardless when you have a microphone and that person doesn't. I think that that is what like, added another layer yeah. of harshness to the scenario. Yeah. So it became it was, imbalanced. It just was imbalanced. And I don't think that there was any malintent whatsoever no. in on either side. No. But we want to acknowledge that um, we are so grateful for everyone who was there, for everyone who shared their opinion, for and then for those who brought the conversation onto our Facebook group in a way that was very it's like a cozy hug from the internet exactly yeah. like intelligent and eloquent and fostering a mindful conversation versus like you know letting whether you were triggered or not like drive you into like a place of um like not mindfulness I continued guess. anger and i also want to say anger. like let's just remember that yes he's just sh- yes he's a shaman Yes, he's a healer, but like no one in this world is outside of their humanity. Everyone has a blind spot. So my hope is that potentially this could be an opportunity for him to grow and learn in the way that he conducts that conversation. And, you know, I hope that you guys are reaching out to him. And if he's not responding in the way that you like or think is acceptable, then okay, fine, move on. But don't just respond with anger and say, fuck off. You know, that's not productive for anything. And in a very sort of ironic way, proves a certain degree to the point that he, I think, ultimately was trying to make. Yeah. So that's that. That's that. I love how in the car on the way over here, we're like, we're not going to get specific. We're going to make a blanket <laughs> Sorry, that's statement. that's my fault. It's my he's fault. like, can you outline I in graphic swear, yeah. detail? <laughs> I need a recap. Yeah. Um, should we get to our week in wellness really quickly? Because we have one fine thing to yeah. lighten the load. Yeah. Um, 
I feel as if the Olsen twins uh, were exemplary <laughs> uh, of a ultimate week in wellness journey this week at New York Fashion Week at their presentation of the row while they, as they burned sage while the models were walking. And they gave gifts of black tourmaline with examples of how to use it. And clear quartz. And their clothes are $4,000. <laughs> so mindful. So <laughs> I don't know about all this, guys. Anyway, I'm triggered. Out. We've been referring to ourselves as the fat Olsons for about three and a half People years. Do not like that. They trigger warning there. I don't they like do that not. one bit. It's funny, but I don't like it. Steph Sambari, not body positive. <laughs> not body fierce. Yeah. But yeah. So I appreciate it. First that. KKW, then the Olsons. Yeah. What's next? What's next? You guys, we can't lose our ability to make jokes. No, though. of course. People know you're joking or they get ups- really I upset. I don't know no. in this particular comment on our well, uh, iTunes reviews page if people understood that we were making a joke. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other part of the conversation we were just having earlier is just like the PC police is part of the problem. I don't know if I'm allowed to interject. I feel like I've been Speak. interjecting no, you, way no, prematurely. Like, by the way, let's introduce we, you. I've been bullying you two for the <laughs> yeah. past 10 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let just, me know when I okay. the start. Our guest has no uh, boundaries at all. <laughs> Zero read on the situation. <laughs> um, <laughs> who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> There's like, who's this third voice? She's got a lot of opinions. Um, okay. I'm Stephanie's inner monologue. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, the person that you're hearing is our friend, an extremely accomplished comedian, writer, actress, showrunner, director. I mean, what shaman. can she do? <laughs> guys, Aspiring shaman. Aspiring shaman. Like woman. 20 years you're a guru and I'm like, what the fuck happened? Oh no. <laughs> the unexpected turn. You guys. Whitney Cummings hi, joining us. We're so honored hey. to have you here today. I can't believe all I'm here. Odds, this is a hologram here. of Whitney Cummings. <laughs> I won't see you again for another five and a half years. We literally see each other once every three years. Yeah, it's true. And I'm always like, I'm obsessed with her. I love her. See you in three years. <laughs> I don't like myself enough to spend more time we'll with you guys. Sad. I know. Yeah. I'm trying. We used to really when I had when I was on TV, I could afford Soul Cycle, and now I'm just yogaing in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stephanie and I used to do Spin Cycle. Spin Cycle. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. no. I would emotionally spin out Soul <laughs> Spin Cycle. Should we start like an alternative to Soul Cycle called Spin Cycle? <laughs> we just talk about all of our problems. And then you do your laundry while you're waiting. <laughs> yeah. Doing your laundry and getting while it out. Silently spinning. <laughs> yeah. Just emotionally spinning. There's no exercise no, involved. No, that's far too much. <laughs> no bikes, nothing. <laughs> we just do exercise and laundry. Love in. I love it. Green light. So, uh, wit. Thanks for making the trek all the way to Venice. It's my honor. We Shout really fucking appreciate Vermont. it. I you love what you two are doing. Space for us. Yeah, this, we're uh, still here. Summer residency. It's we're well into February. So <laughs> the following so year, we started this. We started recording here as a summer residency last summer. I love what <laughs> you two are doing. I love that you're funny and spiritual and feminist and doing all of it. You're just doing all of it. Thanks, Whitney. So are you. I'm really impressive. Thanks. Well, you know, I had to quit stand-up, so... You didn't quit stand-up. I retired. Why? Oh, just because I think it's funny to retire when you haven't accomplished anything. <laughs> like, it's on my terms. Because yeah. <laughs> we all get forced to retire. I yeah. like that you're just getting ahead of it. I respect like, that. It pushes you out. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> you can't fire me. I quit. Can I ask a question to the both of you? How did you two initially become friends? Did we like nobody friends? knows? I don't know. I think you just no. I feel like I met you around 
the comedy yeah, store. Yeah, yeah. The comedy and I was store. like, who's this little magical elf who wears overalls? This tiny fat Olsen. I was just like, who? Yeah, that's exactly what I was like. Which Olsen is that? <laughs> um, and uh, that's not, a, if it's creepy. Uh, sorry. Uh, the, the That's So Retrograde facilitator just started like crawling across the floor. <laughs> and I have severe PTSD and anything I see out of my peripheral vision, I think it's a murderer. And I was like, it'd be so weird to get murdered on like a yoga stage. Surprise. Yeah. Um, and then I saw... And she would like wear like sunglasses on stage, and I'm like, who is this? That makes sense. Who is this fairy comedian? This whimsical like vintage queen. Yeah, and Ooh, I, I love that. I don't know how we started it's in my bio. <laughs> um, maybe Sarah. Yeah, maybe, or... maybe. I don't know. Olivia. You're correct. Because oh, yes. the movie, we have to tell the viewers who we're talking about, Olivia don't we? Thirlby, our former guest. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. So you guys know her. Yeah. yeah. We. Yeah. She facilitated our cute little moon circle that we did two few, weeks ago. A few weeks ago. We all cried. It was beautiful. It was a moon circle. She basically yeah. lives in Esalon now. It's yeah. I, that, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I actually am more curious, like what took her so long. Yeah. <laughs> she so, literally had this like Earth Mama outfit on, and she's like. Okay, I'm gonna ask you how you are. Yeah, and I'm gonna ask you how you really are, and then we're all just like, <laughs> <laughs> like I feel Nobody's like okay. she is gonna like live a movie that one day Frances McDormand will star in. Obsessed 100%. with that read. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I feel like that's sort of what's happening here. When Frances McDormand was at the SAGs that she won recently, or the Golden Globe, whatever, I was like, you remind me of a middle school drama teacher who just like could have gone so far, but Do then just like stayed, like just like stayed in her essence. Do you remember that the camera came up to get her reaction when Sam Rockwell uh, was winning the award and she swatted it? <laughs> out of the way literally she was like like swatted the cameraman and you could just see the the lens shamefully like went down towards the ground like it was just like she was just like get out of my way whereas most of the actresses you know they're like posing for the camera yeah. she swatted at a cameraman she, she, um, oh sure. she's the greatest that's incredible my hero Anyway, so that's so probably Olivia how that Thirlby. is actually how we fully met. Yes, I remember because I visited you guys and then I started seeing and you around more. The movie more. was yes. the wedding ringer, ringer, wedding no, ringer. Wedding yeah, really funny. That's when I realized Josh Gad was like a genius. He's unbelievable. He can. There's nothing that man can't do. Unbelievable. Yeah, he can do anything, and he's so funny between takes. And you were just like, dude, what? Why? Turn it off. So buddy. funny. Like, um, and then I was like, um, Stephanie, I had this weird connection to you. Right? You have. You're so. Um, you're so sensitive in so many ways, like with all that, you know, and whatever and woke and all of it. Do people say that? Does that make you sound sure, old? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but you're also like, can take a joke. Like she's really funny and can take it. And it's hard to find people that are in like both feet that can be like funny comedians, but also like into all this Tell me more about stuff. Me. I know <laughs> I have lots of compliments you know I, for you. Honestly, I never want to see you. So every time I see you, you just shower me with compliments. <laughs> That's yeah. Well, I like, like to like talk shit to people's face and talk nice behind their backs. <laughs> You have to realize there's a certain point in your life where you realize you're like, oh, all the nice things I think about this person, I never tell them. I should really relay that. But I can feel it in your heart. And then I show love by like like goofing on people in person when I see them because I'm uncomfortable with intimacy. Oh. Wait, okay. So you're here today because we love you and also because you wrote a book. Yeah. And you made a movie mm-hmm. in the same year. Yeah. Are you okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> I wasn't okay before I yeah. did those things. And yeah. you know that more than anyone. <laughs> um, I did. Yeah. I wrote a book. And uh, that's hard. Have You You guys are going to write a book at some point, I would imagine. 2019. Yeah. I yeah. just had a dream about that last night, actually. Yeah. Are you on the... Uh, you should do that. Yeah, we're going to do gonna it. It's going to happen. Good. But Good. It, we had, like, it was a very vivid 
dream. So yeah. that's weird that you say that right now. It's okay. called a nightmare. Very different thing. <laughs> Writing a book is a night. I mean, yeah. look, I, you know, I just like to be honest and, and I don't like to be that person who's like, I never work out. I just, I just like eat what in moderation. No, I don't. I work out so hard. I yeah. don't eat a lot of, you know, like in the same thing with writing a book is I didn't want to be that person who was like underselling how hard it was. It was really challenging for me. Um, you're alone. I like collaborating. Um, I've written a lot with people. Like I wrote the movie with Neil Brennan. Yeah. Um, and, uh, writing alone, you, your demons, the voices in your head and your past and your computer and Twitter, like as an open window behind your mm-hmm. word document, it was really cha- emotionally challenging. Yeah. You How know, long, it's called I'm fine and other lies, which is an immensely amazing. Movie. <laughs> Thank you. I love that so much. Thank you. Um, how long did it take you to write it? Um, it took me, uh, well, cause like when you first write a book, you have to write a proposal and that took like, I don't know, like three weeks or something, but that was like three chapters. And then a year later I actually got in, but I had to redo all of that. Mm-hmm. So, but I did do it in sort of parts. Let me be not boring and simplify and make a succinct answer. Mm-hmm. I would say about five months. Um, wow. but that was all day, every day going really hard and doing nothing and also- else working on the content your entire life. That's a great point. (laughs) That's the other thing. It's just a matter of getting it on paper. And uh, the most work for me in it was divorcing myself from my perfectionism of like every line needs to be a perfect joke and everything has to be perfect. Cause there's a certain point where like only you would notice they'd be lateral changes. So for me, it was just the hardest part was walking away from it and knowing when it was done because like, we're all perfectionists. We want everything, you know, like overthinking it. Did you not have someone like an accountability person or someone kind of like keeping you, you know me, I don't make, I like any kind of contact with humans. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Literally, I woke up on New Year's Day to the most surprising text of my entire oh. life with Whitney just saying, I need to do yoga. Where do you do yoga? <laughs> I was like 9 a.m. on like January 1st. Literally, I was like, Whitney what the fuck? Just like us. <laughs> I was like, huh. I'm still coming out off the mushrooms I took last night. Let me think about that for a second. Have you found a place? I literally, because I, I injured myself and uh, the guy that I um, was helping me, the doctor was like, so do you stretch? And I, in that moment he asked me, I realized I had not stretched in almost two years yeah. since I've last seen you. Yeah. I haven't stretched. Yeah. And, um, I was like, I have to get in a yoga room and this is crazy. And, and it's, it's to not stretch is a mental illness. I have a, I can't knowing what it's like smoking. It's like smoking cigarettes. Sorry if you smoke cigarettes. I don't approve of your choice. (laughs) Um, uh, it's an insane thing to not stretch. There's a few amazing, like just actual stretch classes that I go to in LA that Mm -hmm. have changed my life. Wow. I will give those. It's just, it's very hard because it's like, you know, we are all so busy. I get it. Everybody's, you know, we all feel like we're, we're so important. We have so much to do. Um, um, but it's, it's stretching is so hard for me because mm. number one, I have a self abandonment thing, but number two, because of all my body and eating shit over so long, it's like, my brain is like, you're not burning calories. You're not getting more, but this is a waste of time. Like the inner monologue that comes up for me when I stretch is really nasty. And which is why you need to be doing it, which is exactly why I need to be doing it. But it is really challenging. I used to be the person that went to yoga. And at the end, when you lay, I would leave Yeah, like in, in soul cycle, you know me, as soon yeah. as it gets to stretching, I'm like out of there. Yeah. It's three minutes yeah and my brain is just like nope 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 not productive not good enough not good enough like that you know so it's it's and then you have to like be in your thoughts and you really have to like acknowledge your limitations because if i can't touch my toe which a lot of times i can't i get too mad at myself and i just have to leave Mm. i'm like i'm taking my toys and going home you know it it requires a lot of humility it just brings up a lot of shit for me well it's like very it takes a lot of patience oh that's what you know more than that is not my strong suit 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, literally, I have this rheumatologist who's like, you know, the joint doctor. And he was like, stop coming to There's no point in you coming to me if you're not stretching. Right. I because can't it help won't you. hurt as much. And there's nothing I can do for you. Like, this is what you need to be doing to avoid throwing your back out sneezing when you're 50. I was also just like, I was sick with the, the common cold last week. And <laughs> you're nothing. You're not common. Um, the uncommon you're cold. You're very special. Um, and I was in my bed for like four days. And I was getting insanely sore like yeah. I my entire lower back and like outer hip flexors like I felt like I had run a marathon but I was just simply sore from not doing anything and I was like oh most people just feel like this all the time they think that there's something wrong with them but it's yeah. because they're just not moving their body no yeah you're supposed it to move weird I know and I had this thing I think that we're in this you know and this is, might come off weird and I'm sure I'm gonna have to like apologize for this on Twitter but the promise of the feminism is such a weird word to use now, but like, I think our generation, like now we can have it all. Like that's sort of what we were told. We can have it all. We can have it all work, 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 work. And like, I had, I froze my eggs like, I don't know, four years ago or something. Whoa. And the guy said, just take it easy for a couple days afterwards, (laughs) which is like, what's your version of take it easy? Just like hang out, record nine podcasts, hang out, watch Vanderpump Rules, watch TV. So you know how to kick it. (laughs) Yeah. You know how to take it easy while laying on my back. You kind of know how to take it easy. For me, take it easy. I was like, I'll do two shows in Irvine. That's psychotic. <laughs> You're on the <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so this is why I wrote this book, which is about codependence, a condition from which I suffer. But like, it didn't like take it easy. Like I was like, I've been ta- women have been taking it easy for a thousand years. Like I like I just. But that's such a misnomer. Yeah, take it easy. He should have told me bed rest. I think that would have been something right. that made me. So I think that all of us work so hard and we grind so hard the idea of take it easy just i conflated it with like just don't skydive or something you know <laughs> like my idea right and so I, I had this really bad reaction after freezing my eggs and um you know but Why i don't know did i just you decide to do that i'm entitled i'm entitled oh. i don't have to stretch i don't have to take it easy i don't have to da-da. i'm a woman and i can get whatever i want because i was promised that that's that it's our turn right you know yeah. and in so doing i argue with basic biology (laughs) um i decided to freeze my eggs because i wasn't ready to have kids but i finally sort of surrendered and capitulated to how sexist our bodies are um i think we all want women to uh thrive and shine our bodies do not care about this movement (laughs) and um we're slowly rotting (laughs) every day yeah um and so i just did it so that i didn't have to stress about right kids and i don't even know if i want that yet yeah um but i don't want to not have that opportunity in 10 years that's cool yeah Yeah. it's a fortune and it's frustrating and you know like i i hope at some point it starts to be covered by insurance or covered by companies i think google and i want to say yahoo are doing it that they're covering egg freezing for their employees um which is great because they also they don't lose their employees soon you know they have great employees who at 35 can actually stay for another five years right exactly they're like you park it here in front of the computer yes and uh hunch over your desk yes yes (laughs) we'll put that shit on ice like no rush do not freak out yeah because i think the companies are starting to realize they have these they're losing amazing employees because they're going to have kids at right. you know 32 35 and they can't you know um whatever so i just i just wanted and i felt myself in dating you know this like lowering my bar because my age was going literally up. my yeah. mom has said to me on multiple occasions 
I had you and your brother with your, your father because he was my last chance. And I'm like, okay, that's not the kind of thing that you tell your child. But Yikes, thanks, Jill. <laughs> well, we know why you got funny, at yeah. least. Uh, uh, severe psychological abuse. I have um, a dear friend who had it done. First of all, she's like, this is the most amazing place that science has, has brought, you know. Incredible. And Miraculous. Also, she met her man, but she's like, I don't want this to like speed Screw up the up. relationship. Like, I want to like t- table that and smart. just like enjoy really the, smart. the relationship. And I really respected that. Really it's smart. Really Can cool. I ask if she's, you didn't say her name, how old she is? She's like 37. Great. Great. Yeah. Really smart. Because then you're going to suffocate and ruin a great relationship because exactly. you're like, oh, we have a timetable. And then, but so, okay, say you decide like next year that you want to have a kid. Uh huh. You're not going to necessarily even use those eggs. You're exactly right. So that's what sold me on it. The idea is like if you're 35, 37, you don't have to use it for, you can have kids naturally for the first or second even, but you might at 42 decide like, you know what? I want another one. Put it in a surrogate, put it in yourself, whatever. Sell it on eBay, whatever. The Kimye way. (laughs) The what? The Kimye way. Oh, right. Got it. Got it. Um, Is that, yeah, they did a surrogate, right? They did. Yeah. But it's with her egg and his sperm. So it was just like being housed in the... Yeah, it's exactly right. Because they told her if she had another baby, she could die. Mm -hmm. And we can't have that. No. We can't. Uh, You said something about the book. Um, You wrote it because of codependency. Yeah. That to me is interesting because I don't know that I would have thought about framing codependency in that way i don't even think i really know what that is necessarily it's so interesting because it's such a word that's like it's like the word like genius i mean i use it when i'm like i'm being cody with you and that that tracks like you are yeah (laughs) she goes the other night at dinner she's like you know what my least favorite quality of yours is i'm like no tell me she's like when you text me and i don't text you back and then 10 minutes later you text me hello question mark question mark i'm so crazy (laughs) you're not crazy no but i just like i'm like i have a question yeah Hello? But so you, you, when you don't, she doesn't respond. I'll double It down. actually would be codependent. It's weird. That's more like, um. Annoying. Yeah. <laughs> That's more just like obnoxious. Yeah, I'm like needy. And I need attention. codependent. Yeah. No, like that, that, that could maybe, I mean, you guys are clearly entrenched emotionally. Yeah. I think it would be codependent if I didn't do that. And I sat by myself and That's screwed correct. on it. You're correct. Right. So you guys are more like, and this is not mean to be insulting. You guys are more like symbiotic. Like yeah. you guys are a team. Symbari. I'm yeah. <laughs> Symbi- whole symbiotic Ambari over here. So you yeah. guys are that. Yeah. Codependent would be. Because um, codependence is defined in many ways, but one of them is um, the inability to tolerate the discomfort of others. So mm. you actually might go, I'm going to send her this text. She hasn't responded. And then you're going to start taking, uh, keeping score right. in your head. She didn't respond. So now I'm not going to respond. So fuck right. her. I'm going to get the information from someone else. And now I'm going to like post a photo of myself having like a ton of fun without her and like try to hurt Wish her. Were here, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's more, it's less about like, um, needing an answer bothering someone it might sort of be like you said exactly the opposite punishing yourself Mm -hmm. uh because in obsessing over her behavior and like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die not being upfront direct right right like like being afraid to be upfront because of how it might make them feel versus like you actually needing to express yourself correct right okay correct i like that that's interesting so it's in codependence is a very broad diagnosis makes it sound like nasty and boring sorry but it's a very it can manifest in many different ways so um like in 12-step programs for codependence like just in you know alcoholism and everything they say we are powerless over alcohol we are powerless over drugs in coda sometimes it's we are powerless over our perfectionism Mm -hmm. we are powerless over other people we are powerless over fear there's a lot it can manifest in lots of we can uh uh over scheduling is coda codependence anonymous coda wow yeah 
That's a big one. Up. Yeah, it sounds very made up. It sounds like a weird like Star Trek term, like <laughs> or Coda, like an episode of Friends. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, the one about the, one the, the Coda. Coda. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's the inability to say no. Mm-hmm. You know, like before I got a handle on it, like someone would ask me to do something, and I would do literally everything I was asked. Coffee. I was hiking three times a day. <laughs> I was on Runyon Canyon. I'm up. I'm down. <laughs> Just coffee bean back. Uh, like in look at me now I say no to everything right. and then I say yes and then I cancel yeah. like that's recovery and right. that's a huge deal for a codependent to be able mm. to say no to something I mean I was the person who had like four birthday parties a night and you're running from one to the other and you're right. all, you know and um it's an obsession with like people pleasing mm-hmm. it's basically people pleasing is is I think also a good way to so then I'm not codependent with no you. yeah <laughs> You never please never try to please me. anybody. <laughs> to All I do is please myself. Yeah. Um, and um, basically giving more than you have right. is another big one. You know, um, I was like always like taking care of people, loaning people money. You, anybody has a problem. Like, you know, one thing that, you know, they say in code recovery is like before you try to solve a problem, first make sure it's your problem. That's like a really simple thing. And the concept of staying in your lane mm-hmm. and helping someone usually isn't helping them. Helping someone is usually meddling, micromanaging, mothering, martyring yourself. You know, it's that sort of stuff. Not making any space for yourself. Correct. And, and focusing on other people. So you don't have to look at your own stuff. Not Mm. taking like, that's a big thing in my life that I, a theme that always comes up is like, I'm not responsible for other people's experiences. Nope. Their feelings either. So I was kind of listening to you guys, you know, talk about the thing that happened in no name and you guys are being so like, you know, cause this is your thing and you guys created it and you did, you know, I think a really, um, really elegantly just talked about that. But I was just sort of thinking, I was just in my head going like, are they responsible for how that went? Well, and I, I don't, don't know the answer. That we are, I because yeah. I think that we're, our job is to be conduits and yes. to have a platform, yes. not to necessarily tell you how to feel or yeah. what to think. Also, no. However, we are holding space for something. So we just want to make it clear that we see you and we love But also yeah. your point, the, the, you guys, you handled it like perfectly because I was worried that you guys were going to start going, we're so sorry that happened. And it was like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, and growth is about the uncomfortable, sticky areas. And like, I think we're one of the only societies, <laughs> there's this culture now, of like everybody deserves to be happy all the time. We're all so, and that's something actually that they say in, uh, in 12-step programs or alcoholics and addicts are the only people that think they deserve to be happy all the time. Like it's, it's weird to always be comfortable. That would yeah. just be an incredibly weird experience, yeah. you know? So I think you guys just handle that so non-codependently because it would have been my instinct to be like, we're so sorry. It'll never happen again. We'll never let another man in here. Like <laughs> so stressed out over someone else feeling discomfort. Right. And the yeah. idea is to detach from that. Yeah, When we're holding space for conversation, it's like this example, like we're not responsible for anything you say. Like yeah. we're, we love you. We want to have a conversation with yeah. you. But like, I think part of that is like letting the conversation breathe and go wherever it needs to go. And like, if anybody we have on says something that we don't agree with, that's okay. Yes, correct. And that, and what's well within our right to, to say, hmm, let's unpack that. I don't really agree with that. Let's talk about that. Here's what I'll say that is so, it is so important right now. And I actually just worked on the new Roseanne uh, and I Showrunner. did it because I was, I was not the, oh, yes, uh, I it was really important to me to work on that because there are a lot of people on the show that I disagree with. And we are in this really, really scary place where we only surround ourselves with people we agree with and mm-hmm. we're only exposed to yes. things we agree. I went on my Huffington Post the other day. My Huffington Post. I own it. <laughs> oh, I bought yes, it. Um, <laughs> no, on the, like my computer on Huffington Post. And I was next to someone who was also on Huffington Post. And I saw that we had different Huffington Posts. 
And I was like, mm. mine were like all dog rescue videos, obviously. <laughs> and like Kim and Kanye. And then his was like all like politics. And I was like, what's happening? And he was like, oh yeah, there's algorithms now based on what you Google, right. what you buy, what you watch, what you do. Isn't and fucked up. You so only consume what you're already consuming. Correct. We are in like echo chambers. And yeah. I was like, well, how am I going to know what's going on if I'm not exposed to things that I don't like too? And like, I have to actively Twitter, seek. honestly. Terrifying. No, but Twitter. But I only follow certain people. Yeah, but if you go to the, the what's trending, oh. that's how, like the discover part of Twitter. That's why I go to Twitter for news because it shows me things yeah. that I would never look for. Wait, so do you, but uh, but I don't follow like It doesn't have to do with Fox News. It has to do with top trending So it's news. everything. Yeah. Okay, then I need to start going to that because yeah. I was getting really worried because it's like, I was like, I'm in this sort of like, you know, wormhole of just it's it's not what you guys did was a conversation what a lot of people want is just like a rally where everybody agrees reflective on like for example you know i'm not someone who thinks it's good to divide political sides but just say the right trumpian whatever people like that like my own family is only consuming fox news so that's what they think is true it's the same exact thing where it's like Okay, of course you keep thinking that because that's what you're reading. And like, I don't blame you because if I was only reading that, I would probably think that too. What's weird about it to me is that if you literally just look at another television set, like anywhere else, like go to Best Buy, see what's on TV there. Because you've already made a judgment on what is the truth based on so much that's been like in your brain. It's then you can't really receive new information because you've already made up your mind and also this is you know i'm like a neurology dork and i made up like a, a movie about neurology so I'm, I'm i'm a real geek about it but the female brain yeah in select theaters the, nationwide yes. <laughs> and on all the streamers yes um that when you tell someone there's they're they are wrong directly to their face mm-hmm. they actually believe their point more strongly huh. it's a way that we evolved yeah. so you cannot just say you're wrong that's actually not true and there's a lot of really fascinating things that actually like the fbi and stuff use in order to the first thing you should always say to someone if you want to have like an awake conversation where you're actually hearing each other is um, I totally understand why you would think that. That mm. makes so much sense. Or I never thought about it that way. Or if they're in some sort of adversity, you go, that must have been so hard for you. Wow. So it's like a Trump vote. If you're talking to someone who voted for Trump, the idea of like, that must have been such a hard decision for you to make. Why did you make that decision? Right. And once they feel heard and empathize with, then you can start engaging in a meaningful discourse. But right. we're all just going, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Yeah. And then everyone's, it, it becomes even more bifurcated. This is just like a way that, that we've evolved. Is exactly, I think it was like a Petri dish of what happened um, this past week. And, but what I will say, like, yes, there was conflicting opinions, but what was so beautiful as a result of that, like how many of the people that were in the audience was like, I went to bed thinking about it. I woke up thinking about it. I had a conversation with my partner about it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of fucking dope. Like, great. Like if anything, like you see these other opinions, whether you feel strongly one way or the other, but so then you can like double down or, or open your mind or also be like, huh, I'd never thought about that. How do yeah. I feel about that? And here's a really important thing that I was thinking about when you guys were um, talking about this and I was sort of envisioning what happened and I was, I was not there. Um, Thanks a lot. Thanks I was with my, you know me, I was with my dogs, dogs. hiding. Yeah. <laughs> Every time <laughs> Stephanie's like, can you come to this thing on Fairfax? I start sweating. Um, do your dogs have their own bedroom in your house i think they do and i think i know what it looks like (laughs) i barely no they have the house i have a bedroom um they have the guest room i was thinking (laughs) correct 
I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, I think it's really important. I'm not just talking about women or I think it's important for everybody right now. I think men have had a little more practice with this, but I think it's really important that women learn the skill. If you don't already know it, I didn't until very recently of being able to have a conversation that's not emotional. Mm -hmm. And like, we need to practice that. And we can only practice that when we're in situations like that one right there. A friend of mine just wrote something about dom stance and there's this dominatrix in New York who teaches, it's not about sex. It's not just teaches dom stance Mm. in a way to like, exactly a way to have a conversation to where you're not triggering the other person. You're not in your trauma response. You're not acting, Mm. you know, you're not regressing to a five-year-old that's like trying to get their dad's attention. Cause we all sort of recreate our childhood circumstances wherever we go if we're not actively able to like because our bodies know react before our brains do right so we get into our trauma response and then we're all of a sudden producing adrenaline and cortisol and it becomes like a whole mess and there's just like you know we've all had these fights with our boyfriends right where you're just fighting about fighting at this point and you're mm-hmm. just like well why are you saying it like that and you're like what are we fighting about <laughs> yeah um uh, you always do this and then we've sort of gotten off topic yeah. so i think it's really important to be in situations like you guys had the other night at no name so we all can just sort of like practice being able to have like graceful awake conscious conversations without I think it's being interesting like, like this to say to have a conversation without emotion because like on one hand I totally agree with that because that's been a huge challenge for me as a person because I am always crying yeah um but and I, not to shame the concept no, of no, emotion no no just something what I'm gonna say yeah. which is that as women we do have more of a connection to our emotions so I think more of what needs to happen is like let your emotions inform your opinion and the way that you feel and then leave them at the door and have yeah. the conversation, having yeah. them being the person that in the person yeah. part of you that informed you, but that doesn't like guide the conversation yeah. because even me, like as an emotional person, the second that someone starts getting emotional in a conversation, I'm like, I'm not even like I'm turned off. I'm overwhelmed with what to follow. Well, cause then it's also like, now I want to take care of your feelings. Exactly. And I grew up in an environment where an emotional person was very tricky for me, you know, yeah. like a, a parent, like I'm sure everyone's got, you know, and then every, we just start projecting old stuff and it could just, it's very tricky because our brain, I mean, the one thing that's, I think being let out of, that's not in the conversation that I hope maybe this movie, this little ridiculous movie we made could help with, um, is no one's talking about epigenetic imprinting, which is, or sexual trauma. I which love is, that you had that in the movie because we, we talked about that with, um, Danny Katz, like uh, the, the book, what's the season book? One, TSR. The book is called, uh, Google it, get Something it, about add it to cart. Yeah. So basically DNA coding and it's like oh, a huge thick ge- textbook that I bought. love it. Love it. The DNA buy it. Genetic, uh, fucking it's something DNA. If only there was a machine that could help us find out the name of it. I don't even know what (laughs) What to to Google. Google. I have it in my house. Whatever. uh, Stephanie will post this later on her Instagram stories. Yes. Um, Thanks for watching. It's right. right. (laughs) (laughs) I always love watching you. Like, I love you because you just, I feel like I live vicariously through, like, you have this ability to have fun. (laughs) <laughs> that is not something that I am what are you great. Talking? I am not fun is really hard for codependence. Like, cause you, whenever you're in a fun, I don't know if any of you relate to this, hit me up, tweet me. Um, is that when you're in a fun environment, you get sort of bogged in perfectionism. Like, am I having enough fun? Am I doing fun the right way? And then you start trying to like worry about other people and like, are they getting what they need? Like, do you need a drink? Like codependents, we're the ones that are like, who needs drinks? We become like waiters. Honestly, one of my most fun memories is with you. Oh. Getting stoned and watching <laughs> Craig, Craig, Craig Ferguson, Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> voiceover Shark Week is I'm like one still, of my most fond memories of life ever. I'm still not entirely sure that happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
<laughs> we mean we were laughing so hard that was craig ferguson why would you hire him for that i was like sick at my house and stephanie came over and we smoke i mean you just said it but i feel like i need to like for the, the, all the people who just were like did i just hear that right we watched shark week but craig ferguson was hosting it and he was like doing the V. I'm Craig Ferguson. <laughs> These sharks. Like it was he was being so fucking Scottish. <laughs> and it was like so great. It was so well, funny. And then we watched like the jewelry network or something. Yeah, I think like, we were just like so like, corals, So many corals. To just watch QVC to wipe the slate clean and calm the fuck down. We were fucking <laughs> dying. Yeah. See, you know how to have that's fun? The kind Don't of fun. think about that's it. That's the kind of fun I can do. Right. Like parties and people and I'm like sort of like what's his name wait what if he thinks I don't know his name like I just get right. really like stressed so I want to parlay this into a, a little bit of uh, the book because in the book you really talk about like all the different therapies that you've tried and experience and healers and all these kinds of things and like it's interesting to hear you talk about it because you have such a strong awareness of the parts of you that are creating Broken. scenarios that maybe you don't want to actually live out um, no. I guess my question would be like, what has been most helpful for you or what has been something that you've tried that you're just like, I'm leaving that behind. I'm not, you know, this isn't for me. Oh, it's like to, a way to release like, something that didn't serve me. Yeah, you mean? Yeah. You know, I have to say, and like, sorry to circle back. This actually is answering your question, but learning about epigenetics really helped me Oh yeah. have a lot of, why don't you tell the listeners what that sure. is? Sure. Exactly. So basically, and I'm not a scientist, I'm a com- comedian soon to be retired uh, with Stephanie. <laughs> and um, basically epigenetics is um, how the things that have happened to generations before us are imprinted and encoded into our DNA and we carry them. Yes. So for example, like the layman's example, just cause I'm, layman and i don't know how to explain it every any other way mice that are electrocuted i don't support that but uh, uh mice that are electrocuted while smelling cherry blossoms their offspring when their offspring smells a cherry blossom they run and are scared never having been electrocuted if you show a monkey a picture of a snake they freak out even if they've never seen a snake so we carry fears based mm. on what happened to our ancestors is a yeah. form of you know brilliant our, our brains are just so um uh perfectly evolved to avoid threats that's what we're kind of trying to do all day long is avoid threats even though we're the safest we've ever been we have all these primordial instincts that are constantly sabotaging our modern day sort of lives so what happened to your great great grandmother is just as important as what happened to you yesterday essentially Mm. you know so i think just in this conversation about like women why are women freaking out and like because it's like we're carrying trauma not just from our generation ancestral trauma trauma. and our ancestors were getting raped constantly (laughs) like it's not funny but it's just sort of like you have to like you know find some levity in the fact that it was so brutal for so long and just like a snake you know scares a monkey that's never a picture of a snake a man is inherently triggering to a woman just because it's only within the last like 20 years that you guys can't kill us whenever you want right you know so this is like it's going to take a while for our amygdalas and our hippocampuses to like catch up to this but for me just learning about that just gave me a lot more patience with myself Mm. because i think so much of my journey to get my shit together was learning that like i don't have as much shit as i think i have and it's not like something that you created correct like this is so much bigger than me like i've had insomnia forever and that is like can be deeply genetic for a lot of people i stopped caffeine i'm taking lunesta i'm doing this i'm meditating i'm weed everything like a lot of it's just genetic there's um a really interesting Interesting. um area of science sort of about um the uh night walkers they call them so in when we lived in tribes which is how we're designed to live in tribes with 100 people you know this whole like thousands of people in the city thing is crazy we're designed to have a lot of help we're designed to have (laughs) 10 it's bonkers 
Venice. Um, <laughs> Venice. <laughs> I mean, this is so. Do we need to stay here for a couple hours to make it worth your while? Such fight or flight mode right now. Next? <laughs> um, so, uh, in tribes, there were always people who stayed up while everyone else slept, right, mm. for safety purposes. So there were people that always stayed awake while everyone was sleeping. If there was a noise, if there was a line, if there was a whatever, those people bred with those people, and they were essentially called the night watchers. You know, so there are certain people like I don't know if you know anyone who just like can't go to sleep before four a.m. Yeah, you know, people like that. Totally. They were probably they're probably descendants of night watchers. Whoa, which is just kind of a, a wonderful thing to think of. Like, yeah. oh, maybe this thing that I hate about myself or thought was a weakness is actually kind of a yeah. superpower. That's just totally. no like, longer needed. Right. It's the heaviness off of it. Totally. You know, yeah. it's just kind of like then all the epigenetics and, and learning like what my family came from and learning how, I mean, there's a lot of like addiction in my, in a lot of families um, where my family comes from. There was like coal mining. There was a lot of like, like respiratory, like just stuff that I'm now sort of like, okay, there's a lot of headache in my family, a lot of migraine, stroke, stuff like that. Um, it just helped me to have more patience with myself and be more gentle, mm. which I think has helped me with a lot of my weird eating stuff a lot of my being in bad relationships um sort of that was super helpful i think learning about neurology and science because also a lot of times when we're like i'm acting so crazy it's like no you're you have a hyperactive amygdala that's a condition you can actually help with meditation and stuff but people who are high anxiety high stress those are actually the fittest right survival of the fittest the people right. who had the most anxiety 2000 years stayed ago alive. were the ones that stayed alive and right. today we spend all this time like i have anxiety i have anxiety like shaming ourselves and shaming other people like it's some sort of horrible condition when in fact it just means that you are kind of a superhero yeah you know you're just in the wrong Hyper time aware. frame <laughs> right. you would have done great 2000 years ago right. you know so i think that learning about um sort of that evolution and neurology has just helped me a lot with sort of demystifying what a lot of this stuff is because i just was like oh i'm crazy mm -hmm. you know because we pathologize this stuff so much and i think you know I've dated so many people and, and I've had so many family members who have sort of gaslit me into being like, she's crazy. She's histrionic. She's dramatic and all these things. And in fact, it's like, no, I just kind of have all these tools that I just don't need mm -hmm. or I don't know how to use yet. or that I don't know how to use yet or channel, you mm -hmm. know? And I think that stand up is something where you can sort of channel these things in a healthy way. It's just why I sort of like pick that job. I mm -hmm. think, um, that really helped me. Um, I've heard anyone describe stand up as healthy, but I'll go with <laughs> <laughs> it actually, if you can do it, uh, in a way where it doesn't rule you or control you, yeah. um, where it's a choice, not a need, yeah. like anything. The truth is I'm starting to come around to that. Yeah. How yeah. long did it take Out of you my to get retirement. to that place though? Cause I feel like the part of the grind of the, like no. the school of stand up of like, you know, it's like late nights, you're constantly doing open mics, you're going yeah. up, you're going up, you're going up. Like that's kind of like the training yeah. of it all. So yeah. like, where did like... Where did that shift happen where it became like a healthy outlet? Well, because it took me a long time. And what I do, and I was going to say the other thing that helps me a lot are 12-step programs. Mm -hmm. um, and your horse. And my horse. Yes, we can get to my horse um, as well. 12-step um, programs are much cheaper than horses. <laughs> just FYI, if you're going to pick one or the other. <laughs> I right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think so much. Um, wait, what were you just saying? Oh, I think that what 12-step programs um, and like recovery uh, help me understand remotives. You know, mm -hmm. you can do any, anything can be bad for you or good for you based on what your motive is. Right. So it's like, yeah. what do you need out of stand up? So if you're going to do a spot, are you doing it for the love and the attention that your dad never gave you? Or are you doing it, you know, to feel good about yourself and to, cause you're outsourcing your self-esteem to strangers. Are you doing it? Um, because you only feel good about yourself if you're productive. I mean, it depends if right. you're going to go see if these three jokes work, 
you know, that's a healthy, you know, and you're, and I also am really, you know me, I'm super hardcore about not like hanging out in the culture of comedy clubs because that's very toxic. Dice. It can be. As a bystander of someone who hung out really late night, I felt just like, well, I feel like in certain places, just the energy is sticky and it can be really, here's what I'll say. I think lots of workplace environments are toxic. You know, I think like people say that about comedy clubs and stuff. I've recently been in like offices, like of like advertising companies and I'm like, this is fucked up. Fluorescent lighting is just as fucked up as marquee lighting. Totally. totally. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have lights. My name better be written in that. For sure. So it's like, there's lots of tricky when we're hearing more than ever in our news with the Me Too movement about a lot of toxic work environments, you know, Ford and and, in agriculture. And it seems like there's a lot of toxicity sort of everywhere. I mean, the comedy store, at least you can leave whenever you want. A lot of people have to stay till five o'clock and they don't get to leave and their monster is in the office next to them yeah you know five days a week so um i feel kind of lucky that at least i'm and they serve alcohol and they serve (laughs) (laughs) i have a feeling they do that in office during the day as well um but yeah so i think i really just had to get a handle on getting my emotional needs met internally and Mm. not externally and not going to the comedy store to get the love i never got as a child (laughs) like as soon as you start showing up as an adult uh and detaching from other people's behaviors and comments and whatever you know i mean it's weird because comedy clubs i feel like in a lot of ways kind of prepared me for twitter Mm -hmm. because i started comedy (laughs) and like you go to comedy clubs and you're just like you're getting made fun of by everybody (laughs) and you're stupid and you're an idiot and that joke sucked what are you wearing and then twitter happened maybe like four years later and i was like how would i have done this had i not dealt with open mic you know, right. psychological abuse for four right. years. Yeah. You know, and I think it's Twitter good practice. Is like open mics for people who aren't funny. <laughs> <laughs> I've read a couple funny slams against me actually, really? where I'm just like favorite. You get this. It's a decent joke. Right. I, yeah. I'm not going to lie. It's yeah. a decent joke. Are you able to kind of like deflect all that energy coming at you? Because obviously being a public figure on Twitter, like people just are like nasty and cruel and yeah I mean it's interesting like I try it's a bummer I try not to go to my at replies very often but then you miss all the good stuff you know I think it's really about training your brain to be able to you know we're designed to I think hold on to things five times more strongly if they're negative which is a survival instinct right so if 10 people tell you you're awesome if one person is like eh you're only going to think of that person they talk about it in pretty woman really yeah she's like why is it that you only believe the bad stuff what scene was that the line weird line (laughs) So Wait, what line? She's lying. What in bed. scene? Like they've already like met. They're falling in love. Her and Richard Gere. Oh, that always stuck out in my head. That and like that your foot is as long as your forearm. Do you realize <laughs> that's true? <laughs> do you really, really taught me a I lot? I really needed to put that to the so test. Can LA. we just do a quick, quick little improv here? Yeah. It's 2018. Is that what we're in? Yeah. I'm a studio executive. You two are writers, yeah. and you're pitching me Pretty Woman. It's never been made. <laughs> okay. So. We wrote this story. Is, uh-huh. that, is that how you started pitch? Yeah. We've got, <laughs> we got this idea. Um, there's the a prostitute with a heart of gold, and she meets a man. He's Who very wants good to looking. Fuck with a heart he's of successful. Gold. Um, he's just. So it's a horror for- movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a hooker who yeah. meets a man yeah. who like saves her. Uh, yeah, pretty yeah. much. And she has a really cool, quirky best friend. Yeah, and they fall. In which love. I was thinking I would play. <laughs> so and then i heard somewhere that like jason alexander was gonna yeah, be in the yeah, movie yeah, yeah. what does so he do in the jason movie now. Is like a really nasty man and what he's just like, yeah and he ends up thinking that because she's a prostitute yeah it, he has his right to 
have his way with her. Yeah. And she's, and then he hits her. Yeah. George yeah. Yeah. tries to rape. Yeah. But George at 65. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that movie would never get made no. today. No. It's the you most know what insane. else movie would never get made? Love Actually. It's like just everyone needs to get saved no, by a man in no, that no, movie. No, no, no. Everybody and half the women don't speak English. Yeah. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't this the one movie? I remember rewatching that recently and like. Doesn't Liam Neeson fall in love with a woman that doesn't speak English? Yeah. It's like if you just are completely silent, yeah. men will love you. Yeah, it's love. Yeah, the messages actually. of that movie, yeah, I yeah. remember them being super dark. Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't stand up. No, it was interesting, <laughs> but I'm super fascinated by like there's you know just sort of this like theory, like film theory that um, certain movies capitalize on the fears that we already have, subconscious fears like zombie movies. Yeah, uh, capitalize of our, our, on our fear of poor people. Yeah, mm. I, and which Ugh. I was just raising that. I'm mean, amazing. And like remember when like in the 80s I was whatever born in 82, but like apparently there was a big nanny killer movie movement like sleeping with the not sleeping with the enemy like nannies taking your baby don't the tell mom the baby's with Alicia Silverstone. yes the, the, that, that one movie. yes but what, what was the one with uh with jennifer jason lee where the, oh, the, the nanny the hand the rocks the cradle yes that yes. movie like the idea of like just as women are moving into the workforce they started making all these movies that scare the shit out of them like your nanny is gonna take your baby oh no and then die hard i was watching and it also that was in the 80s when women started moving into the workforce and the whole thing was like um the women had gotten a big corporate job and the guy and then there was a big shootout in the office i don't even know how to talk about an office um uh and then he, he had place. to write to fluorescent lighting the place with the things and he had to come like save her and i remember just being like oh so the message here is basically like if you go to the workforce you know your husband is gonna have to come rescue you from being murdered and like just stay home with the kids yes please do but what if i want to stay home with the kids conversation for a <laughs> dying day. to work from home that's um, why you write books exactly can we touch on the equine therapy yeah, cause we tried because it. we tried it with wyatt the og of- he is the og did you go to Maryville? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Tell me everything. Honestly. Um, well, I'm allergic Didn't, to horses. Yeah, so, <laughs> so she was like, I can't really. Amazing. That was the first problem. And then he kind of like interpreted my allergy as like some sort of like emotional defense mechanism. And I'm like, I'm literally allergic to horses. This might just be like a science thing. And like cats and dogs and all other animals and dust and whatever. Are you allergic yeah. to cats and dogs? Yeah. yeah. I and mean, then, I'm allergic to my own dog, but whatever. He asked me, he's oh. like, how are you feeling? What are you thinking about? I'm like, I'm thinking about like what I'm supposed to do. And I, cause you, you move the horse's foot, you know, so, and, yeah. and like, I, we've all seen 28 days and yeah. And her last name was coming. He to was like, moment. okay. It was? And I was like, I'm just thinking about like, Sandy. you know, Sandy doing it properly, like walking up and I did it on the first time. He's like, how do you feel? I was like, I feel pretty good. And he was just like, okay, next. Like, yeah. Like he so had no time for her, like not having, that was a, it. Yeah. It seemed like he only had time for people who like, who obviously like, had trembling. like trauma and there was no like exploration of her experience. I'm not saying I'm trauma free, but at that yeah, moment, you don't strike me that, as that is broken. In, but in that moment, I was like, I'm feeling good. Like, let's do this. Okay. Like, let's it was like, think. he was mad that she was feeling good. Like, yeah. Was, like was, we like, emotionally uh, light that day. I'm not going to yeah. be faulted for that. And then he really went in on me. What did he say to me? He went in. I don't even remember. I, I was, think too, like I was too into my own goodness. People sometimes misinterpret my, like, just, you know, I'm used to being in front of people. Yeah. I'm used to expressing myself. Yeah. So when he was asking me, and also, like, me being funny, honestly, he a lot like of times isn't a defense jokes. mechanism. Yeah, it just, yeah. It's literally naturally what just, comes out I'm just, me. I'm gifted. I'm good, okay? <laughs> what do you want from me? And that's what it was. So, yeah. so with, I've got a gift. I've got a gift. I have to share it with everyone. <laughs> yeah. And he was, like, mad. He's like, why are you being funny? And I'm like, oh, I don't, am I? Like, I don't. 
And then so that was so it. So do you think I'm funny? Yeah, I'm like, is that so what you're saying? So are you guys hiring or what's <laughs> <laughs> Like live from Maribel. Yeah. <laughs> we tried that. <laughs> we did a comedy show. No, we interviewed him and he was just whatever. I don't want to shade Wyatt. He's obviously incredible. Yeah. And I read his book and I was like fucking obsessed yeah. with him and yeah. like watched all the YouTube shit. And I was like, what this man does is like incredible. Yeah. I just think that maybe we he didn't love him. us in the yeah. interview like he yeah. he wasn't like Damn. on our he wasn't loving he wasn't to trying us. to be open with us yeah which was unfortunate and sad but again like we were saying earlier it's like he's the interview did you put the interview up blind or you just didn't no. feel like it was good it didn't it also was the sound was fucked up because it was being recorded on like three different tracks yeah, and it was, it was like a, a whole thing it was a whole thing huh. it was very retrograde will you explain <laughs> to us like equine therapy yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't, I mean, there's people who can explain it much better than I do. If you guys, if this is interesting to you at all, uh, there's a great book called Zen Mind, Zen Horse. So any prey animal can teach you a lot about yourself because mm-hmm. prey animals opposed to predators like dogs, their only reward that they really care about is uh, safety and mm. tranquility, mm. right? So a horse that is free, completely unfettered, that you're not controlling or controlling in any way. Um, if you're together in an enclosed space, it's only trying to ascertain how safe it is. And it's going to ascertain that by whatever your energy level is, mm. right? Because all they really care about is, is, is if they're safe because they're so vulnerable. Oh. Um, because of the way that prey animals have evolved, they can sense earthquakes. I mean, you guys know all this. They're just incredibly like clairvoyant, kind of like sort of psychic, frankly. Yeah. And I mean, to the point where the first thing you kind of do when you're sort of in this version of equine therapy is you're just kind of alone with the horse and you just are silent for about an hour and mm. you see sort of what the horse is doing. So if you go like, oh, this horse is so cute and like, I'm so grateful to be here, the horse will move towards you. And I mean, there's many iterations depending on the kind of horse you're working with and the level of trauma that horse has. That's a, it's, it's too nuanced to get into. But I'll just say my personal experience. Um, and then when I start going, oh, I'm not doing a good enough job at this. The horse isn't close enough to me. I should be working. I have to do that meeting later. The horse just walks away from mm. you because they can sort of feel your thoughts and they're really disinterested in negative energy. So it's a great way to sort of practice your inner monologue and for a mirror to be held up to you because inherent, because most communication is nonverbal, right? I think it's like 80% of communication is nonverbal. Like we should mm. say, but because if I say to you, if I'm like, Stephanie asked me how I am and I'm like, I'm fine. Okay. You don't think I'm fine. Yeah. There's our words betray us all the time. Yeah. All we do is lie and perform and wear masks for each other. Like you guys do a really authentic sort of thing in here. And like you guys are sort of like warriors for authenticity. But most of us all the time are completely full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Based on who we're talking to. And then we're talking to a cute guy. And all of a sudden we're like up here. And we're talking to a work person. And we're like, hi. Like pretending we don't. You know, it's just we're constantly wearing masks. And horses, because they don't care what you do. They don't care how much money you have. That you just, you get to um, experiment with your version of what authenticity is. Mm. Um, um, and uh, my version of what I do is I um, have a horse who was a traumatized horse. And um, the idea is to work on our how unlearn our results-oriented brain because we're all about, like, achievement and, and what am I getting out of this and how can I be the best at this and perfectionism. And um, a horse really shows you your shit mm. like that because when you need something from them and you put pressure on them, horses only really understand fear and lack of fear. Mm-hmm. We have all these other things, but we think that we have things like pressure and stress and anxiety. It's really fear or not. Right. Right. So for me, when I go, I need to get a picture with him for Instagram and I didn't get the right one. What happens? That's just fear to him because he's feeling, I have fear that I'm not going to get this picture. Yeah. And he's like, no, thank you. Right. Or I need to get on him because if I ride him, that means I'm good at this. And he's just like, I have no interest in you. So it really helps you sort of figure out how 
run and ruled by fear we are Mm -hmm. all the time yeah and when they move away from you you realize you have some kind of fear and then you have to figure out what it is so basically he'll show you something about yourself but then it's kind of your job to figure out and then you've been able to like take the experience of the one-on-one with the horse and like really apply that to your life in a conscious way because i i think we have no idea how much i mean you guys do obviously how much your energy impacts the people around you. So it's like, I'll walk into a set and I'm just like, why is everybody so stressed out? Why is everyone so stressed out? And it's like, because I'm stressed out. No, I've and learned that, especially on sets. Yes. So it's like the energy that you bring into a room is yeah. the energy that you're going to manifest yeah. and that you're going to create. Yeah. And, and what we, you're going to see. And all we, yes. And all we do is project. He's crazy. He's crazy. He's crazy. Or did I walk in crazy? And then everybody just followed suit. Is there right. a nonprofit that you work with that does the equine therapy? I think she heard power would be the one to go okay, to. My I, f- Beth Bears. Beth Bears. Okay. Yeah. I heard an interview with her and yeah. she was talking about it and she was talking about you. And I think you kind of helped her, mm-hmm. um, find that therapy for herself. And I was like, really, I was very captivated by it so here's what i'll say for people who like you know i have to be honest with you therapists i have a great one they're not great for me because humans inherently make me perform and -hmm. they make me feel pressure and they make me think i need to be perfect and authority figures i have a very deep um i get very deeply triggered by them so i want to impress them i want to you know and then with a therapist i'm like i better be getting my money's worth and then i start controlling what she's saying and laps per minute (laughs) (laughs) i'm literally shooting an hour special every time i do therapy but it's also you guys are such seekers you get this like we are so committed to edification sometimes if i'm not walking to therapist office i'm like okay so what's up with that like i have more questions for them and i start you know i it's but i also find like with talk therapy like it's easy to get stuck into a loop of yourself you're right where you're just like continuously revisiting the same embedding thing the same over trauma. and over and over again and then like someone is reflecting at you and almost telling you that it's okay so it's like you're not even necessarily getting over something you're just masturbating you're, yeah, it is very yeah. masturbatory. And then you re-embed trauma. Yeah. And um, there's a great neuroscientist that I, I was with the other day that if you guys are interested, his name is Moran Surf. And he has a bunch of TED Talks and stuff. And he was explaining how all these new experiments and all this science on memory is that our memory is subjective and our memories change every time we tell a story. We, ch- we basically punch it up based on hmm. what the other person sure. responds to. So if right. I'm telling you a story and then every, and I, I get to the part about where you, Stephanie's you catch yourself lying. I, that totally. But yeah. every time that you laugh, I'm going to embellish that part mm-hmm. of the story and that's going to get bigger. And these other things are going to get minimized. So the more we, we, you're right. We just get stuck in our own shit. I'm so sick of talking about myself. I'm so sick of talking horses. It's all a very nonverbal kind of thing. Yeah. And the only thing they respond to is authenticity. And it's like more personal because it's, it's not something that you need to share. Like yeah. I don't believe that we need to share everything that we, that is a conduit for our growth. If that makes sense. Like some of my deepest, most like revelatory, like healing moments happen. Like just in my own mind or Correct. in my own journal and Correct. no one that I know knows any of those things. Right. And I'm completely fine with that. Privacy is such a novel idea yeah. these days. I mean, I wish sometimes that my brain could be more like exteriorized because then I'd be like, you know what goes on here? It's amazing. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> Live broadcasting. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also, it's function is to contain itself and, and, you know, distribute information to your body in, in a new kind of way through itself and I sometimes when I start talking about it I'm like I don't know why I'm 
I get yeah, anxiety yeah. about even sharing it. Totally. To like the process. And it's also it's like, weird. I don't know how to explain it either. Yeah. And, in, and it's going to get lost in translation and you're not going to suddenly even, I'm going to feel self-conscious that I'm even saying yes. this. And like, it's just this, you know, and I think for me, this is another big takeaway. If anyone cares, um, we care. You're here. We're interviewing. You. I don't know if you guys are <laughs> where you are in your relationships. We have a lot of catching up to do, Stephanie. Um, but <laughs> you haven't seen me in five. Years. I had. Yeah. <laughs> He's like married, divorced, two kids. <laughs> like I have four kids right now. Wow. We're on welfare. No, I'm just kidding. You need to get back into comedy <laughs> to support your children. Yeah, I am. Um, I had a really hard time understanding me and Roseanne both. <laughs> I had a really hard under, uh, time understanding. The difference between intimacy and proximity, I thought I conflated those concepts. I thought they were intertwined. Mm. I thought if you're intimate with someone, you're basically um, with them all the time. I, I couldn't understand the idea of coexisting. It was always like entrenchment. Mm. And because I just didn't know. I just got the wrong blueprint. Same the, car, not different lanes. Correct. Uber pool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And it's a dollar, but it'll take you all over the city. <laughs> it'll take three days. Yeah, you've got a lot of time. But you will get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so from what horses do for me, because a lot of it is like, you know, your instinct is to hug them and touch them and constantly. But a wild horse, which is what I we work with, you know, is the idea. They can hurt you if you're too close to them yeah. by accident all the time. And yeah. I think a lot of times when we're in entrenched addicty relationships where we're overdosing on each other we just hurt each other because we're just too physically close all the mm -hmm. time and too emotionally close and this really taught me like how to coexist with somebody and be able to love somebody um and only give 50 percent and not any more than that you mm -hmm. know i've been in relationships where i give 50 they give 20 they give 20 i give 80 wait the math on that's wrong but you know what i mean yeah um you give too much or you give the wrong kind of love it helps me understand the kind of love that someone can actually receive like what a healthy coexistence looks like mm -hmm. um and uh and it really took like a horse stepping on my foot for me to understand like oh that's what's happening boundary. that's what we're doing emotionally and like yeah. setting boundaries and when you set a boundary and claim your space which i think this work is so important especially like with this me too movement sorry but like i've been in a million of those situations where it's like a guy wants to have sex with me a million guys have wanted to have sex with me no, that, that, that is not how i wanted that to come out but when you're in those situations where in, but you don't really know how to claim your space and your body doesn't really feel like it's yours and they want it. So you just, it's like horses have helped me so much with the concept of like, when you claim your space and you own your space, they don't, they actually are way more interested in you. If they can walk all over you, they're not interested in mm. you because they know their whole thing is if you can protect yourself from me, you can protect me. So then you become their leader. It's called a, a, a contan O X O C A N I believe. And, um, you become like the lead mare. So the idea, I had to see it happen with horses. The idea, if you say no to a man, if you say no to your boss or no to one of your employees or something, they don't go away. Like life's not over. Nobody dies. Right. Like mm -hmm. it took me a really long time to understand that like having self-respect isn't a rejection of another person. Right. Wow. You know, like or that, vice versa yeah. too. Or vice versa. When someone says no to me, they're not mad at me. I'm not a bad person. I haven't failed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's something that just, I never learned that. And maybe this is obvious and your listeners are like, yeah, we know. But it took me a long time to understand. No, I mean, maybe they do know, but I think it's really important because you are someone that is, um, you know, very successful and a extremely talented creator and like looks, you know, you put a lot out there and like, it's not, this isn't something that you're constantly sharing. So it's like, when we hear the thing from someone that we look up to, it's, I, I actually feel that those are the most transformational conversations that I listen to. Cause I'm like, Oh, right. Like 
everyone's fucking going through it no matter what else they're carrying with them. And it might just be something as simple as like someone, you have a job and someone emails you at 9 p.m. Yeah. You don't have to respond to that email. Yeah. That's my like biggest thing is other people's urgency is not my own. Correct. Thank you. Hello. By the way, you have the wrong best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. No, I have the best best friend yes. ever. But um, yeah, Wait, I'm so exactly. sad because we're running out of time here no, at the Ramah Institute. This, thank you, Ramah Institute, again for holding shout space. Out, um, Whitney Cummings' book, "I'm Fine and Other Lies." Um, and and are you looking at the price? <laughs> What are you, you guys? At? It is uh, $27. <laughs> okay, you get the ebook, guys. Um, ebook, it's only 10 The female brain is out now. It's on iTunes and Direct TV and on the song. I love that I cried. That's really? Yeah. Really spectacular. A lot of people have said that. A guy came up to me the other day and told me it made him cry. Yeah. It was Amazing. really sweet. I hit him in the face. <laughs> No, perfect timing. Um, and on that movie. since Aww. we want to help you with your social media presence, let's shout out your uh, Instagram. Begging you, yeah, uh, Whitney Cummings. <laughs> Is my social media. Oh, thank you so much. This is probably one of uh, my favorite conversations to date. So thank you so really? much. Really? Highlight. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Thanks for being our drunk stepmom. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Anytime, girls. Anytime. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> so cute. Yes, that's a retrograde. It's time for RNT. Those stems and leaves. It's time for RNT. Those stems and leaves. Who's down with RNT? The T is Elizabeth is never gonna tell us how they're feeling now. It's another moment for our favorite segment, our old friend. Yours, ours, and all of the Bravo community. <laughs> Outside the Bravo Clubhouse, we call this Roses and Thorns. Inside the, the Bravo Clubhouse, they call this Roses and Thorns. The OG. This is some weird, wacky manifesting we're doing over I here. I know, it's pretty crazy. We're putting him down and calling it in at the same time. I also saw an artist um, that one of our listeners uh, put on... Our radar yesterday mm-hmm. um she did a a little cartoon that said me so thorny on it and i was like oh, oh hey i so stole thorny. that from one of our uh that's so retrograde facebook people amazing so things are out in the ether they're happening we're planting seeds speaking of our that's so retrograde facebook community i just have to say that it's honestly truly my main rose same i'm just blown away by the engagement of that has nothing to do with us. It's just like people that wanted to connect on these subjects and now they're doing it and they're supportive. And it's just, you know, we talked about this earlier, but I just want to really reiterate like how much I love to see what's it's happening. Not often you find such like a, like a hug on the internet like that. And not often it's a not ever. Yeah. I've so. never been hugged by the internet. I've only continuously <laughs> been bitch slapped. So thanks, guys. Thanks for giving us hope about humanity and uh, all of that. We're going to change the name to the Humanity Group. (laughs) Um, What else? What is another rose of yours, miss? In case you're wondering what the sweatshirt I'm wearing. Well, they're not because they can't see you. But I am fascinated. Where do you think you came from with a beautiful illustration of the female ovaries? Mm -hmm. We've got some fallopian tubes. tubes. We've got a uterine. That's... Well, to be honest, I'm not so good at like. No, you know what? You know when you like. You know when you finger yourself. <laughs> no, tell me more. Or when you, or or when you, well, you would have to feel it. So yes. has anyone out there ever put their fingers inside of themselves and you feel that little part of the inside of the front of your vagina that feels like a cheese grater, kind of? 
Sure. That's what that is. Yeah. Okay. So we'll post a visual, but so I don't know about sweater. a cheese grater, but it's more just like a, a cheese cloth. This sweatshirt. You're like, shut was, the fuck no, up. No, no, no. I'm down. I'm down. I'm here for it. You're like, once you said finger yourself, I checked no, fully out. Once you said cheese cloth, was really where you lost me because I fucking hate dairy, but like <laughs> cheese cloths aren't <laughs> nothing to do with dairy. It, they help make it. That's why they're called that. Okay. Fair, fair. So, okay. But you can also make almond milk with a cheese cloth. You know how I am with almond milk now. It's on my note list. God, so. you are so high maintenance. I subscribed as soon as you said cheese cloth, and I stand by that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so this sweatshirt was designed by our dear friend um, in life and to the show, Sophia Bush, um, over for um, an organization that I just learned about called The Outrage, which um, brings like mindful apparel to the world. They do collaborations with names like Sophia, and then they're raising money for the 100% of the proceeds from all the sales from everything they make go to organizations like ACLU. This one, for instance, is 100% goes to Planned Parenthood. So That's awesome. It's really fun. And, um, and it's really cute. For those who of you who makes this blank? It's, it's an, an American apparel blank. It's a cute cropped sweatshirt. Wait, so question. Yeah. In the, uh, uh, you the know, fashion, fashion world. world. American Apparel obviously is RIP, but are they still making blanks? I believe so. I okay. think that because I, unless like someone's like really off the tip of their advertising, I'm still seeing advertising for AmericanApparel.com. I could be wrong. So, so is I it just you, an online retailer? I don't know, but that's my educated guess. Interesting. But I know that the guy who started it, problematic unfave. Yeah. Um, I th- can't think of his name right now, but if you guys Google... He was like, um, a, he tried to fuck all the models. He's a psycho. Yeah. Um, but he has a new line of blanks and the blanks are really dope, I will say. I hate it when someone <laughs> that sucks does something that's cool. I know. That's my thorn. It's like when I went to Italy and I'm like just on the heels of Mario Batali being called the Red Devil at that fucking restaurant in New York. I'm like, well, obviously I don't want to support someone who's known as the Red Devil drunkenly at four in the morning in a restaurant. However, imported Italian goods. Love your tomato sauce in a jar. Like, what can I say? I don't know what to say about that. (laughs) I want to be a consumer who is powered by their purchasing choices. But at the same time, sometimes you got to get an imported Italian cheese. Where are you going to get it from? Where are you going to go, guys? It's my second cheese reference uh, this this moment. But so anyway, so... I just wanted to say, so, so designed this really cool sweatshirt, um, and there's bags and tote bags and baby onesies and all of that. It's a very cute message for a baby onesie, but I think for anybody who has listened to our show or, and like we know so on a personal level and anybody who was in the room on Tuesday night knows that she is a fierce, fierce voice for women, Mm -hmm. both in her public life and also as, as you know, by the sweatshirt and by the causes she puts her name towards, but also like on a personal level. Cute. And I just want to shout her out cause we love her so much. So thanks. So go, go support that. We'll provide a link and it's a cool sweatshirt. I've gotten a lot of thumbs up from people. Another rose, uh, moving this conversation right yeah. along is that our dearest, uh, fr- another friendly rose. Yes. Our dearest. Ambisita. Brown grandma has just decided to, fly free of this podcast constraint and start her own so proud. astrological podcast called Alchemy with Ambi. Naturally. I listened to the first episode this morning and it was I'm just so proud of her. I called What is her she right talking after. about? She's talking about her own journey with alchemy and like her how the eclipse this one in particular since we're in eclipse season how solar really, eclipse solar eclipse season um, how it really, <laughs> you know, had kicked her ass and now like 
she's kind of like risen from the ashes after like four years ago, really having everything like wiped clean from the slate and talking about her own empowered journey. Also, I started crying when she started talking about us and how we have been each other's teachers. And it was, it's she just, did? Really, yeah, it's really special. I'm going to have to listen. Um, so you guys will we'll link to that, but obviously you can, if anyone's in Ambie's newsletter or follows her on Instagram, you can get that link as well. Um, Ambie, we're so proud of you and can't wait to see where this concept flourishes too. So can't wait to be guests. Yeah, <laughs> that too. Um, <laughs> And I'll just say my thorn, I got in a car accident yesterday and it just like shook me to my core. I was like literally shaking and crying on a public street. And, you know, sometimes I just, I hadn't been that emotional in so long. I was so startled by it and it was just like so intense and it happened so quickly. And I just like, you know, the lesson is like, we just have to be like so mindful and like, I just need to slow down and all of those things. And sometimes the universe just needs to like rattle you. So it really felt like that. Um, you know, it's just stuff. No one was hurt. Thank God. So it's all good. But I guess I'm just sharing that just to like remind everyone not to, I, not that I was doing this. I really wasn't. But I think that like if I had been on my phone or like distracted, it would have been so bad. So like, thank God um, I was paying attention. But so just like no one text and drive. That's I'm a just PSA say from that. that's a retrograde. Um, Let's keep wonderful. it moving. Yeah. Um, oh wait, this yeah, is the end of the show. The end of the show. Guys, okay, we're, we're recording the end before the full beginning. <laughs> so, um, thank you guys all for listening. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks, Whitney. Thank you, Whitney. Thanks to everyone that came on Tuesday. Thanks for thanks. bearing with us. Thanks for the magic. And now I'm gonna say listening. Yes. Bye. Bye. Yes, that's a retrograde.